Hey, Will, like I normally do, I just want to take a moment to tell our listeners to make sure they hit us up on social, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, wherever you might see us. Make sure you're sending us something. Also, you can email us directly at AppalachiaMeetsWorld at gmail.com. If you get a moment, shoot us a line, give us some feedback. Yeah, and wherever you listen to the podcast, make sure you subscribe to Appalachia Meets World. It just helps our podcast, but it also helps you know when we're releasing a new episode. It was how it brought us all together, how we all got involved, how we it renewed our sense of pride for where we lived and brought people on the fringes. You know, you always have like a core group of people that are the enthusiasts for the community, but it brought more people into that core. Appalachia Meets World, a podcast about place and perspective, but always Appalachian. Appalachia Meets World. This is the follow-up episode to day two of the Source Summit. This is the live audio version. Like we said last week, we're just going to post the audio version this week with our special guest, Amanda Brinkman. We wanted to have Amanda on the show because the topic of the SOAR Mini Summit was tourism and downtown revitalization. And Amanda Brinkman was the executive producer, co-host, and star of the hit Emmy-nominated show, Small Business Revolution. And she has really become a champion for small businesses and downtown revitalization. So we wanted to have a special episode with her. It was posted live to our Facebook page. So if you want to check that out, it's from March the 8th. So this week is just that special episode with Amanda Brinkman. We're posting the audio version. And next week, we'll be back with a special guest. So check back for that. I did want to mention that the ARC actually extended the deadline for the STEM Academy and the Entrepreneurship Academy for high school students, as well as teachers for the Entrepreneurship Academy. The deadline was extended until today, the 18th. So if you know of a student or a teacher that wants to apply, make sure you let them know that today is the last day to check out the ARC website. It's www.arc.gov. So this episode's a little bit different. We're just posting the audio version of what was live on March the 8th with Amanda Brinkman. Here we go. All right, welcome to the second day of the SOAR Summit. We are live again today. First day went well. The second day we are remote with a special guest, which I'm going to introduce in a moment. But I wanted to just say that the second day of the SOAR Summit focused on tourism and downtown revitalization in beautiful Ashland, Kentucky. If you're in that area, stop by today. Check them out. They're going to have everything from telling your story in the digital space to creative placemaking and branding and marketing for downtowns and small businesses, positioning downtowns to welcome tourists, all the way to Airbnbs and how to develop Airbnbs in your small towns. So if you're in the area, check them out. But we are going to introduce our special guest, Amanda Brinkman. She was the chief brand officer of Deluxe, a technical and marketing firm in Minneapolis, Minnesota. But she was also the creator, producer, star and host of the hit Emmy nominated series, Small Business Revolution, which just finished its sixth 
season and final season. And we'll talk about that in a moment. But she had uh, co-hosts by the likes of Robert Hershevik, which was the, a celebrity entrepreneur, but also better known as the a judge on Shark Tank. She had Ty Pennington as, as a co-host, which was, is the renovation icon, as well as Baron Davis, the ex-NBA player and entrepreneur. She has become passionate about small towns and business revitalization and a champion for small businesses. And she is now a nationally renowned brand expert and public speaker. So Amanda, we wanted to thank you for being on the show and, and welcome welcome you and we appreciate you being here. Well, thank you for having me and for such a kind introduction. One thing that we wanted to ask you that we ask all our guests, we're from Appalachia, obviously, but our families, we're big on tradition. And one tradition we have are appetizers at the holidays. We usually have (laughs) more appetizers than the actual meal. So I wanted to ask you, do you have a favorite appetizer or holiday dish? Well, that's a great question. So uh, actually for Christmas Eve at my family's house, we just do appetizers. So there is no meal. Yes, we love our appetizers that much that it's a whole kitten caboodle. So I would say deviled eggs. Um, big fan of an artichoke dip. Uh, I like a lot of heat. So I like like a buffalo chicken dip. Oh, a lot of dip. Yeah, a lot of dip. Awesome. Cheese and crackers, you know. So you're invited to Christmas next year. You would fit in perfectly <laughs> yeah. in our house. So awesome. uh, yeah, we always have cheese, sour cream, cream cheese. So I'm from the Midwest. Mine- yeah, you mentioned Minneapolis. So we're, we're all about kind of the dairy, more dairy right. in a dip the better. Right. I have no idea what's going on right now. So I have no clue if Will is uh, having internet problems or what, but obviously he's gone. I just got a notification that I'm the host now. So I think you and oh, I are in charge. Congratulations. I don't, if, uh, I don't know if I need to congratulate you or if that's the scariest thing that's ever happened. So I guess that he will be back on at some point. Uh, as you know, he lives, well, I don't know if he's told you that or not, but he lives in Cleveland and apparently the internet is not great where he lives, but I am in Kentucky. This podcast kind of formed as a way for us to talk to each other, uh, a year or so ago because we both have young families and we're brothers that grew up in Appalachia. He left and never came back and I never left. It's a great opportunity for us to get together, but we've had the chance to catch up with wonderful people throughout the last year and folks like yourself uh have now are you brother brothers or is that like a term of affection uh no we're 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 set from the same mother brothers <laughs> got it okay <laughs> yeah i'm the youngest of four he's the uh closest to me but we have two sisters as well yeah so anyway on this on this podcast all we do basically is gas up appalachia and all the great things going on in, in appalachia the SOAR Summit that Will mentioned is the event that's going on. And I don't know how much you know about SOAR, but it's just an organization that helps entrepreneurs and all different organizations throughout Appalachia. And they've got a little mini summit. There's about 700 people there today and listening to all about the revitalization of downtowns. It's just a perfect opportunity to have you on to, to talk about what all you've done 
If well, I can just... talk a little bit about the small business revolution. So it's interesting. I just uh, spoke last week at a conference for the Minnesota Tourism Conference and um, talking all about kind of, you know, things that we see or saw in communities as we were going across the country filming the show in terms of common traits of thriving communities. You know, what were downtowns focusing on, what were main streets, what were small towns and large urban areas focusing on to continue to grow. So I can give your listeners a, a little bit of a context for what the small business revolution is, and then we could certainly talk about some of those things that we noticed. That sounds great. Yeah, if you could tell okay. us a little bit about that to begin with, and then we'll just kind of go sure. Yeah, so the Small Business Revolution is essentially a small business makeover show. So each season, we work to revitalize a different community's main street through its small businesses. So uh, there was a whole, you would nominate your favorite small, you would get boots on the ground and go and visit the top 10 communities. And then we would put it up for public vote. And then the winning community would receive a half a million dollar investment from Deluxe, um, which is where I worked and who started the show. Uh, and uh, you know, we're a small business and financial services technology company. So for us, the small business revolution was a really beautiful way for us to demonstrate how much we love small businesses. Instead of just saying that we do or having products and services that serve small businesses, we wanted to really show what a difference it makes when you go out and invest in small businesses, when you intentionally support them, and you know what happens when you invest things like a marketing makeover and financial assistance and operational advice and things like that. So uh, we produced six seasons of the show. Um, I think as mentioned in, in the introduction, it was nominated for an Emmy. Um, we're hopeful season six will be nominated as well and win this year. And each season has took place in a different small town with the exception of season six. And I'll circle back to that. So the first season was in Wabash, Indiana. And the second season was Bristol Borough, Pennsylvania. The third season was Alton, Illinois. Uh, the fourth season was Searcy, Arkansas. And the fifth season was Fredonia, New York. And we actually started filming uh, the fifth season at the very beginning of 2020. So you know where this is leading. Yeah. So we had yeah. the first few episodes, you know, scenes of every episode in the can, as we say, um, in the film industry before the pandemic hit. And then truly season five was basically a journal entry into what small businesses went through during the pandemic and in many ways are still going through. And so yeah. we were really proud of how we were able to not just figure out how to film a television show from our basement, uh, but to truly you know, shed light on exactly how challenging it was for small businesses and help small businesses make it through the pandemic and truly thrive on the other side. Um, so each episode is about an individual small business. So maybe a dog groomer, or a restaurant or a barber shop. Um, over the course of the six seasons, we always tried to show as many different kinds of businesses as possible. Because while every episode an entrepreneur can learn from the advice that we're giving or, or the things that we're helping um, them through, there's nothing like seeing a business just like yours on the screen and, and kind of seeing yourself in those stories, as well as there's operational idiosyncrasies to running a boxing gym versus a recording studio. And so each season takes place in a different community. Each episode is about an individual small business. And for us, it was really about showcasing how if you want to see your downtowns thrive, if you want to see your main streets um, uh, be successful, if you want people to want to stay within your community or move to it, it's really about the small business core. You know, when you talk about why you stayed in Appalachia, or when you talk about what you love about Cleveland, you 
probably mention the small businesses that you patron. You talk about those, you know, that local mom and pop pizza shop you take your young kids to every Friday night or that bowling alley that's third generation owned or the coffee shop that you always love to go and read the paper on Saturday mornings. And so for us, it was when we think about communities being successful and thriving, it really is about having a strong small business core. And so that's why the show is so focused on small businesses. But it's a makeover show with heart. I always feel like I have to say that because in the unscripted reality show genre, you know, there's usually like faux drama and things like that. And on our show, it was never like that. It was about celebrating small businesses, walking alongside them. We were never telling them what to do or having to invent their skill set or passion. We were just there to be helpful and to try and create a movement to get people to understand the importance of supporting small businesses. So I am back. Yeah, welcome back. We just went past you. Sorry. <laughs> I don't I don't know. I know you told the story of small business revolution, but did you tell from 2015 and kind of how it how it began? And I wanted to ask about the mantra, do well by doing good. Did you talk about that a little bit? I know that's kind of Not how yet. it started in the beginning, but can you just speak to that? I know that is your mantra, but you also kind of started this revolution based on that idea. Yeah. Well, thank you for asking. And thank you for knowing that you do good research. So uh, yeah, so I was brought on to Deluxe uh, eight years ago uh, on the eve of our hundredth anniversary. And I was brought on as a, a chief brand officer, as you mentioned. And so the brand challenge or the opportunity was that Deluxe is a 106 year old company known for a legacy product that's in decline. So Deluxe invented the personal checkbook. So much of how the world still moves money was what our legacy was based in. But we had started to get into all these other things, helping financial institutions and then specifically helping small businesses. So when I joined, the challenge that was at my feet was how do you make sure that more people know the name Deluxe and know us for what we do now, small business marketing? And um, as you mentioned, I've always believed that companies can do well by doing good. We kind of too often only think of two options, like either you're a company that makes money or you're a nonprofit that does good in the world. And I think it can't be so binary anymore. It has to be, you know, how can you achieve business goals, but have a purpose behind it and be making a difference in people's lives beyond selling them things? I just believe we're all on this planet for more than just having nice cars and beautiful houses. It has right. to be because we each have a skill set and can make an impact to move the world forward and create real change. So for me, I felt like that was the opportunity for Deluxe as well. So doing well by business standards would mean raising brand awareness of Deluxe, specifically with small businesses. But what could we do that would be good for small businesses on our way to doing well and achieving those business results? And what could be good for small businesses is driving traffic and business to small businesses. The number one thing small businesses need, they need a lot, but the one thing they need is for people to come in and support them and buy from them. And so the mission was instead of making an ad campaign about our 100th anniversary as a company, all about ourselves, let's turn the camera around and share the stories of small businesses, all with the hopes to inspire people to support them. Because when you hear a small business owner's story, you know, it becomes personal. And you recognize that if I go to that coffee shop, I'm not just buying a cup of coffee. I'm supporting a woman who supports the local little league. Or if I go and buy from a local bookseller, I'm not just buying a book. I'm, you know, supporting a family. And so, uh, so in our first year, before it became a television show, we went across the country and told the stories of a hundred small businesses. And then we rolled those out throughout our hundredth year. 
And then it evolved into the television show, which I can talk about how, but that's, that's kind of the, that was the genesis of it. Yeah. I think that's an excellent explanation. I wanted to ask about that because I think that's so, uh, such an important aspect to business in itself, doing well by doing good. It, It can drive the way we go forward in our businesses, even small businesses, all the way up to big corporations. But one, one thing I did want to ask you, I know you mentioned you all talked about the small business revolution and going to the six cities. Did you have a favorite city? Oh, I, that's, I always get that question for <laughs> what was our favorite business. And I can't yeah, favorite business. Better all, favorite business. You know, but I will say this last season was really impactful in a different way. So the first five seasons all took place in different small towns. That was the concept of the show the premise. Um, But we're based in Minneapolis and St. Paul. And after the murder of George Floyd, Minneapolis and St. Paul was thrust into the spotlight for all the wrong reasons. And everybody was trying to figure out how they could participate in the way forward as a community and how they could personally, you know, address existing racial injustice. And so at Deluxe, we didn't feel like we could solve all the things that need to be addressed. But one of the things that needs to be addressed is economic empowerment and intentionally supporting Black-owned businesses. So we decided to bring the Small Business Revolution home for season six. And instead of it being in a small town or one main street, it was six different neighborhoods across the Twin Cities that are very culturally important to our our community and featuring all Black-owned businesses. And so while I don't have a favorite season, I was really proud of the fact that as a brand, we stood behind what we, we, we put our money where our mouth is. We didn't just say that we were standing for, you know, hashtag activism. We were demonstrating it and in a way that was appropriate for our brand and in a way that was something we could actually affect. We, this program for years has always helped small businesses be more successful and survive, thrive really. Um, and so, uh, so for us, you know, being able to bring that lens home to Minneapolis and St. Paul and share these incredible stories of entrepreneurs rather than what people were seeing only on the news about Minneapolis was really just something that I was personally very proud of. And that's exactly why we do this po- podcast. You know, there are so many misconceptions about Appalachia and these people come in and report that aren't from Appalachia. And so we wanted mm-hmm. to give a platform for people to tell their stories and we wanted to tell stories all throughout the region to give the real understanding of what Appalachia is all about, which is exactly what you're explaining for season six. Yeah. And I applaud you for that. You know, as we, again, we're going across the country these past six years, seven years with the hundred stories, you know, we, we went through Appalachia many times and there are a few towns, a couple on the fringe, Frostburg, Maryland, like there was a couple that kind of made it through to different rounds. And I, t- I was very moved by the community and the sense of family and the importance. And I think that you are right. I think that they're, you know, whenever someone's kind of sharing your story from the outside, they don't have the full picture and that's unfair. So uh, I applaud you for using your platform to change those perceptions. Well, I wanted, I wanted to, I was hoping you would say Fredonia was your favorite city. I don't know what your favorite <laughs> business is, but Fredonia is actually in Appalachia. A lot of people don't know that. That's uh, true. Yes. Yes. You're right. Yeah. There you go. So you did choose an Appalachian city. It's perfect. There you go. (laughs) I I did want to ask you, so there are some common elements that are common for downtown revitalization when you go into communities. There's this need for people. As you mentioned, there's this need for pedestrian generators. You need those small businesses in the downtown area, a good mix of small businesses, uh, but also living and working. 
but it needs to be walkable. There needs to be an aesthetic appeal, which I think your show or the small business revolution really touched on, especially when you, when you have Ty Pennington as a co-host and really getting that aesthetic appeal. Did your show kind of fall into some of these categories of how not only to uh, develop these small businesses, but also I think what a large part of what you were doing, you know, you were working with public officials throughout the, I love the show, by the way. I don't binge watch any show and I, and I binge watch this show. It, 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 I mean, because it's perfect for entrepreneurs. I mean, it's an example of what entrepreneurs can do. If they watch your show, it's a perfect example for small businesses and entrepreneurs. But I wanted to ask you about the downtowns, working with public officials, the revitalization. Did you see working with these small businesses, those core elements or a sense of getting more people into the, the shops, getting more aesthetic appeal, making it more walkable. Did you see regeneration within the small towns? Yes, absolutely. And those are some of the things that we noticed in towns that were thriving. So one of the things we always kind of held up as kind of a standard of how we were selecting the biz- the town, we had like 30,000 towns nominated over the course of the six That's seasons. Crazy. And so to narrow it down each year to the top 10, just to go visit, and then to the top five was excruciating. And because they were all so wonderful. So some of, we tried to pick towns that already had some momentum because we weren't under an illusion that a half a million dollar investment could suddenly create something out of nothing. We needed to see towns that were already focused on growing and maybe this right. could be, you know, kind of that catalyst. And so we did notice that towns that were thriving are fo- were focused on things that, like what you're talking about. So creative art and, and placemaking. So thinking through, you know, do you have kind of like a, an alleyway that's just kind of like a, a bit of an eyesore? Could you clean it up and make it an art mural wall and have residents come in and paint it? Can you do rope laying, which is, a, is not a very large investment, like over the main street to kind of add that we always called it the Hallmark movie effect. <laughs> um, could you, you know, you, every every downtown has large utility boxes. You've probably seen this in communities where they'll also paint murals on those or have kind of a, a scavenger hunt or things like that. So using existing wall space and, and downtown real estate where you're able for kind of that art so that people want to come down and see it. And then it's also, so it's a draw and then aesthetically um, it's really beautiful. Plus you're allowing for, an opportunity for people from the community to express maybe their truth or express their art. And that's a really wonderful way for a community to be. Um, the other thing that we see a lot in communities that are thriving that follows up on your point is they were doing a lot around kind of encouraging shopping local. So they'd have either different festivals downtown and then maybe there would be some sort of bingo card. And if you went into different businesses or a, a discount at certain ones or things like that, and they would do that on a regular basis um, just to again, drive traffic downtown and things like that. Um, I could keep going, but yes, we definitely saw in communities uh, yeah. that were really thriving, that they were focused on the aesthetics of the main street. Yeah. And it wasn't just up to the public officials to do that. It was really about making sure that every, like everyone from the community well, came together, that sense of pride could be brought together by let's have a painting party. Let's have a, let's have a street cleanup day. Let's all come down and plant, you know? Yeah. So they were involving the community too in it. I feel like we have a, such an opportunity in Appalachia. We, that's an advantage, I think, that we have. We have these unique, small 
towns that are focused on their main street and the idea of this experience shopping or having these events to attract people to that small main street is a perfect mm-hmm. way to uh, rejuvenate or revitalize a downtown which is exactly what you're pointing out i wanted to ask you about the public private investment you know you mentioned the 500,000 that doesn't go a long way when you're revitalizing small businesses especially when you're revitalizing a small town But how much support did you get from the public sector? Because the public sector, like you said, they can't do it alone. The small business Mm -hmm. can't do it alone. It takes a community Mm -hmm. and it takes both sides. Did you did you have support from the in all these six cities support from the public sector as well as the private? Yeah. Yeah. Great question. So, yeah, you're right. The half million dollars, too, by the way, was divided up between the town and then the six businesses. So, yeah, it's it's. It became even smaller when you started thinking about the budget that way, like per business and for the town. So a couple of things I'll say. One, I think it's so interesting how when towns applied to be on the show, they were super excited about the money. And then by the end of the process, they forgot that that was even kind of a part of it. Every business, every town that we worked with said that was our least favorite part of it. It was how it brought us all together, how we all got involved, how we, it renewed our sense of pride for where we lived and brought people on the fringes. You know, you always have like a core group of people that are the enthusiasts for the community, but it brought more people into that core. And so that's something a town can create, whether or not you have a television show coming or an outside investment. Yeah. Uh, The second thing is that we did see quite a few private residents. Um, Alton, Illinois had quite a few, which I have my mug here from Alton, (laughs) Illinois, from Mississippi Mud Pottery. I'll give them a shout out. They make excellent pottery. But in Alton, Illinois, we saw in all the communities, we saw private residents contribute to the overall fund. And then we certainly saw the, the, you know, the government, the local government saying, you know, let's if something that we recommended was outside of the budget, but it was something that was already on their wish list, they said now is the perfect time to do it because we're using this momentum. So we definitely saw that fiscal investment. But I, to my first point, I think what was real cool is we had the emotional um, and uh, affirmative uh, investment from residents that people were just kind of coming together. And through that, you can accomplish so much more together than money ever can. There's a lot of tears shed in your show. It got, oh, it got emotional. So I said it was like we couldn't, we couldn't finish editing. I'm also very involved in the editing process and not just on camera as a producer. And we always said we can't wrap this episode until we get some tears. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, kidding. So, uh, well, I think that's because it's an emotional process to open up your business like that. It's very brave for these entrepreneurs to yeah. be on the show and, you know, reveal and, and- all the things they're struggling with. And no spoiler alert, but they weren't all successful, right? I mean, some of them struggled after the fact, even when you provided the assistance. Not all businesses are going to survive, but you need to take that risk in order to provide that uh, source of revitalization, right? Yeah, absolutely. Um, there was a point where all every business that we had helped was still in business. And to your point, that was a statistical anomaly in terms of the success rate of small businesses. Um, but between COVID and a couple of owners deciding that they either wanted to sell or just get into a different line of work, which is something that happens all the time in, in the entrepreneurial world. Um, but we always say like every episode was certainly inspirational. So to your point about tears, you know, people <laughs> definitely were moved by the stories, but it was one part affirmational. So entrepreneurs could see themselves in these stories. Even if the episode wasn't about the same kind of business that they were running, they just said, oh my God, I'm not alone. 
other people are struggling with these things too, you know, and cause it can be very lonely to be an entrepreneur. You feel like you're the only one who can't figure out your taxes or the only one who can't figure out what the heck you're supposed to do with Twitter or SEO. <laughs> um, and one part, certainly, um, uh, entertaining. We hope that's where Ty Pennington always came in. And then certainly, you know, one part, uh, just educational. We love hearing from small business owners that they couldn't write fast enough, but they were being entertained in the meantime. It was just, wasn't just a webinar, you know? So we always were very proud that it could accomplish all four things in one episode. So between the three of us, I'm the only one that lives in small town America. Um, I'm an entrepreneur in small town America, have been. I'm from London, Kentucky which is a small town in, in southeastern Kentucky. And just opportunity to ask you to share with our listeners, are there, is there two or three things that you would briefly tell any small town business owner or small town local official of the most important keys to, to implement within your, within your small city? Yes. So the list is long. So I'll try and just narrow it down to a couple. One, minding your online presence is vital whether you are running a business in a large city or a small town. So how findable you are online is the way people can support you. So a lot of times we'll see small town businesses say, well, people know where I am. They've seen me. I don't need a website or I don't need to be found on Google Maps. But you're not thinking about capturing people who might be driving by on a major highway and want to support a local business or go to a local diner, or local coffee shop. So you're not capturing that search authority during covid and for the foreseeable future, because we've seen consumer habits change, your digital footprint is your storefront. That is how people are going to find you and support you, first and foremost, in terms of what you sell, your hours, where you are. So making sure that you are thinking about your digital footprint, no matter what size business you are and no matter what size market you're in, is the number one thing you can be doing. The second thing that is really, really important is we saw coming out of COVID that people found a renewed sense of purpose in supporting small businesses. I think we all recognized like, oh my gosh, that local coffee shop can't close or the local retail store can't close. Like you, it became more personal for people and more real because they saw how many businesses were closing quickly. And so leaning into the fact that you're a small business for the first time ever is actually really important. So historically, people always kind of wanted to show up like they were a bigger business. But now you want to emphasize, hey, I live here. I pay taxes here. I support local community organizations. I'm a local resident. You know, you want to talk a lot about the fact that you're a small business and why it's so important to support small businesses. So leaning into the to your moniker that you are a small business is really, really important. The third thing is focusing on profitability versus growth. That sounds more complicated than it is. Essentially, COVID forced so many businesses to focus on what are we actually really good at? What do we make money at? The most money at? Where are our margins? And shed all of the other things that are very tempting to entrepreneurs. Entrepreneurs are known for having a million ideas and wanting to get into all these different things. But COVID folk, you know, forced this fiscal focus, which is going to be really important to hang on to moving forward. So rather than just thinking about how do we grow as fast as possible, how do we grow profitably and focus on those areas? Um, I can keep going, but sorry, you asked for two or three. Those are my two or three. Times. I think those are great ones. I think they're perfect examples. That's the, 
Exact, not exactly, but that's how you break it down business by business in the show. And it's different for every bit. It's not the same for every business. When you go through their financials, when you look at their profit, you, you do it differently for it, in each individual business. And I think it's just an excellent, excellent example for entrepreneurs out there to rewatch the show. Thank you. <laughs> that's what I want to and ask if people don't have Hulu, they can watch the show online for free too, by the way. It's at smallbusinessrevolution.org or oh, sbr.org. Perfect. I wanted, I wanted to mention to, to one of your points, the digital economy or kind of the digital presence. SOAR, shaping our Appalachia region, just to get back to that a little bit. Several years ago, they developed a blueprint or a plan. A lot of these small town downtowns start with a plan. You have to have a vision in order to revitalize. But so SOAR is 54 Appalachian Regional Commission counties, Appalachian counties in eastern Kentucky. And SOAR is kind of the umbrella organization to convene those counties. And as part of that, they developed these goals. And the goals were based around these seven core priorities, which were broadband, 21st century workforce, entrepreneurship, healthy communities, industrial development, regional food systems, and tourism and downtown revitalization. So those were the seven core principles. But really, to get to your idea around digital presence and how important it is, we go back to number one, which is broadband. Broadband is such a game changer in Appalachia. It's such a game changer for these downtowns. You know, a lot of downtowns in Appalachia, a lot of communities don't even have connectivity enough to support this digital presence or this important aspect of building your small business. Did you see that in any of your communities and how important have you seen kind of broadband and connectivity to be for downtowns? Yeah, it's one of the it's one of the things as a nation I think we should be really focused on when we think about equity and equality for all communities. That is one of it, it's not the easiest, but it feels like it should be um, in terms of just providing everyone with the same level of access and access to technology and access to information should not be a privilege. It should be a right, a human right. And so uh, we did see communities were really focused on that and advocating for that. And, and I hope as a nation, we continue to move forward. And I think, yeah, I, I think that that's really, it's vital and for education, for everything. I mean, it's, you know, beyond even just a small business core, having that kind of access is really important for our next generation we, too. I think we learned that even more. Um, I don't know if anything positive came from COVID, but I think that's one of the one of the things that definitely was a positive on on the brink of COVID. Everybody realized how important that is and just how far behind we are, not necessarily maybe in the cities that you live. Obviously, Will has issues at his house, but, um, <laughs> you know, it definitely in the places where I live and throughout eastern Kentucky. So that's number one key for for this region as a whole. I, I, w- I wanted to ask. I know, like like I said before, season six was the final season, unfortunately, of Small Business Revolution. I don't know. Obviously, the website's still up there. Is there anything in the future for Small Business Revolution? That That's one question. The next question is, who was your favorite co-host? You, you, have, oh, to, okay. you, you have to choose. <laughs> okay. Do Which order do you want me to go in? Uh, the season six finale first, I guess. And okay. The future. So it was a very hard decision to decide to end the series, but... You know, six seasons of, of any show is a is a great run. And we were yeah. so creatively interested in the show each season because we kept kind of tweaking the concept each year. There was something a little bit different about it. And when we decided to bring it home for season six, that just felt like the perfect finale season. You know, I mean, 
where do you even take it from there creatively in terms of kind of social impact? So it just felt like the, the right time um, to wrap it. And selfishly, I want to go work on new things. I'll continue to work with small businesses. I love small businesses. I love small towns. I love communities. I love community building. And this doing well by doing good is something I speak on a lot and something I'll continue to advocate for in whatever role I go into. So I'm actually starting my own uh, production company and we're working on a few different show pitches right now is what I can share at this point. That's so awesome. I did more on my speaking and new shows. That is awesome. Uh, and we, if you can talk more on that later, we'll ask. But before you answer the co-host question, I wanted to say me and Neil have a bias for a small town in eastern Kentucky called Pineville, Kentucky. So you and your family are definitely welcome anytime especially during the Mountain Laurel Festival coming up on Memorial Day weekend. If you have any thing in the works and you would like to check it out, Palmville, Kentucky, you're definitely welcome. Thank you. I appreciate that invite. I will take you up on it. Not this year, but soon. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, mom already to... has dibs on Memorial Day. <laughs> you want to uh, answer the co-host question? Well, again, I can't, but I like them all for different reasons. Okay. So Robert certainly... It was really interesting to watch him personally go through this journey. He was so used to on Shark Tank, seeing these businesses that want to grow into these like, you know, global multi venture money companies. Yeah. Yeah. And so it was cool to watch him in real life go through this process where he would say to me, like, wait, what size is this business or what, you know, and and for me to share with them, like, no. Yeah. I'm like, Robert, this is what the majority of small businesses look like. Like what you've been exposed to on Shark Tank is it's just those really big, you know, next Mark Zuckerberg stories, but the average small business growth to them looks like hiring another three employees within their community or, you know, put braces on their kids' teeth. And so that was really interesting. He brought so much um, really in, um, he's a great entrepreneur himself personally, as well as what he's been exposed to on, on Shark Tank. And so he brought so much great expertise. So I loved him for that. Ty was just, I mean, who you see on TV is who he is. So, I mean, we bartended together in these towns. He was just, he's fun. He's very, very fun and had great renovation ideas as you would expect. And so he was a hoot and really believed in it. And then Baron was like, I mean, he just cared so much about these entrepreneurs in a way that was not required of him as a co-host. I mean, he's friends with them on Instagram. He he texts them. They've been out to his house. Some of them have been out to his house in LA. Like he was all in. And so I've been really blessed to have three co-hosts that all brought something a little bit different to the table, but all really cared about what we were trying to do through the show and through the program. I know Baron Davis was an ex NBA player, but there's so many players, uh, celebrities, athletes, whatever they may be that are entrepreneurs outside of mm-hmm. their sport. Were they, were there anyone fighting over being your co-host did anyone reach out to you and ask if they could be on the show that's kind of how I met Baron so he and I spoke on a panel together I think it was for Salesforce and um after he heard me talk about the show he's like I've seen this show like what and yeah so that's how he tells the story I always I tell the story a little (laughs) bit different like I went after him but um since he's admitted that he asked to talk about it but yeah um I think people just see how and that's why the Emmy nomination is really important to us too. You know, we think it's a good show. We think it's really authentic and has heart behind it. It's not just television to make television. It's television is a platform. And so what can you do to advocate for others through a platform? And so a lot of people started to notice 
that quality in what we were doing. And so, so yeah, we had a few people reach out. And, yeah. Watching it season one to season six, it was an amazing ride. I, I congratulate you for what you did. Thank you. So I know you're not from this area, but I, I just, as an act, get other opinions on what you think about when I say this word, but what's the, what's the first thing that comes to your mind when I say Appalachia? Uh, mountains. Like I, I feel like having driven through it multiple times, people don't, I think have a sense for how beautiful it is. Like how, like I see why people want to live there. I mean, and there's just no other part of the country that's like it. And I don't think that people recognize the fiscal beauty in that part of our country. That's my first thing that comes to mind. Oh, it's a great answer. And so true. Couldn't agree more. I uh, wanted to ask you a couple of Amanda Brinkman questions. You know, Neil and I, we usually try to have a good time on this show. I wanted to see if I could ask you a couple of Amanda Brinkman questions. You said I did my research. I did a little bit of research. So I wanted to see if I could ask you. So you claim to be a respectable. uh, Well, I'll, I'll say that. Appalachia is landlocked. Majority of Appalachia is landlocked. So lakes are big for us. We've talked about lakes and fishing a lot on this show. You you claim to be a respectable water skier. What is respectable? Like semi-professional, like <laughs> wakeboarding? Like, like I think yeah, like like I'm not in any ski shows, but I think people will be like, well, if I'm if I am if if since you're asking. So I can get up on one ski, I can nice. Do lots of, you know, little tricks. Now I'm getting embarrassed, but I love it. So Minnesota, my parents grew up in Wisconsin. So I grew up going to a cabin in Wisconsin quite a bit, which is just obviously right next to Minnesota. And then Minnesota has, you know, we're known for 10,000 plus lakes. Those are saying on the list, like 15,000 plus. So, yeah. So you're on the water a lot up in this part of the country. So, but here's the thing. I can't downhill ski worth the dang. So, so I have to, I have to really play up this water scheme. <laughs> I can't do the other kind. That's, that's surprising. You probably only get to water ski like a month out of the year up there. So that's pretty, that's pretty <laughs> impressive. Three, we get like three solid. Oh, okay. Three weeks okay. or three months. <laughs> three and a half, four. Did, uh, uh, another, another question. I also read that you like Christmas music before Thanksgiving. You are, (laughs) so how long before? Like you're talking summer or just like a week before Thanksgiving, you start the Christmas? Oh, like the week before. Like I'm always like, my husband and I have this running joke that we'll, you know, send each other calendar and invites for different things that we need to do or whatever. And I already have on our calendar, our shared family calendar that we're going to put the tree up the weekend before Christmas or before Thanksgiving this year. He accepted the meeting invite, but I don't think it's a done deal. I just, I love that time of year so much. And so I just want it to last as long as possible. I get sad when it's over. People are just more joyful and they say, let's talk about in the new year and they're kinder out in public. You're the person that when you go in the store and like the Christmas decorations are out in in October, you, you, you appreciate that, right? I'm like, yes, now I can start playing the music. Yeah. I wait (laughs) for retail to signal it to me. (laughs) Neil and I have talked about Christmas tree does not go up until the day after Thanksgiving. Tradition. That's usually when we end up doing it. Like that's when we usually end up doing it. But I always, every year I'm like, we're going to do it even earlier this year so we can enjoy it longer. Well, you're like (laughs) Like, watching television at night and the lights are on and it's so cozy. (laughs) 
So as soon as Halloween's over, you're just like ready. I'm ready. <laughs> I just got a text from a verified source that said, um, if you come to the Mount Mara Festival, they, they will put you and your family on a float. What? That, I mean, that's, that's prestige yeah. right there. Yeah, <laughs> we can make it happen like right now. <laughs> I love it. All right. Well, let's 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 email more about that. Like that. That's something I can say to my mom. Like, but mom. Like, yeah, exactly. I promise you'd have the time of your life. You could put it in your bio if you ask me. <laughs> <laughs> well, one, one other question. Neil asked the Appalachia question. But one other question we always ask all our guests is, you know, our our podcast is grounded on place and perspective and we put a real importance and if you, if you have spoken on family and traditions and home we wanted to ask you where you call home and what makes it home for you what makes it unique for you i we live in minneapolis but as a lead into the second part of your question i now consider home wherever my daughter and husband are so you know i think covid i, I think you guys are right there's nothing like it's hard to say anything was good about it, but I think what it gave us all a renewed sense for was the importance of family and place and that like your home almost became kind of a bit of a refuge for a while. And so, but it didn't feel to me like it had anything to do with this particular building we live in, though we love our home. It was more about who I was spending that time with. And so I would call home wherever those two are and our puppy and our dog. He's not a puppy anymore, but what kind of dog? Cooper is a King Charles Cavalier. Awesome. Nice. He's nice. just like, he's the chillest dog. He's so great. Neil, Neil's has dogs and chickens. I, and he just got a rabbit. I've got rabbits and dogs and cats and chickens. Uh, <laughs> it'd be quite an experience for you to come to small town America and check out the setup here. He's been to small town America. That's what we're talking about. I know. I'm just saying. But well, your particular version of it. I love chickens. My daughter's on a big, she wants to incubate eggs and grow our own chickens, which I keep explaining to her how difficult that is. We have a hamster. We had a, oh, it, we called him a COVID hamster. Like, there's no other time in our life we would have agreed to having a hamster, but we were here so much. We felt like we could, you know, yeah. keep them alive. I have chickens that my 11 year old completely takes care of and he sells the eggs throughout our neighborhood. So that's his, Oh my gosh. he's an early entrepreneur. So that's his, that's his deal. So it's been, it's been great learning experience for all of us, but you should that's do that right. with your daughter. Yeah. She's 10. She'd like, she's almost 11. So she, yeah. Well, if we come out there, then then your child can teach my child how to do this. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> uh, Amanda, we want to thank you for being on the show. Yesterday was the first time we went live. We know we had some technical difficulties in the beginning. I don't know what happened? Far for the course. Yeah. 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 Um, but we, we want to thank you for being on. We definitely appreciate it. We wanted to highlight you because of what the Source Summit is all about in regards to small business, downtown revitalization, and tourism. So thank you for being on the show. And if you want to talk about anything, Amanda Brinkman, in the future, I know you touched on the productions, but if anything else you want to talk about before we go? just thank you for what you're doing i mean it's really important to have you know pride in the community either that you were raised in or that you live in and i think people start to forget that and i think it's just really impressive that you're both so focused on it so thank you for having me maybe i'll say it would be really fun to come to the source on that next year so all right maybe i'll see you there awesome we'll get you there for sure thanks so much for your time thank you guys
Now I'm back up where I belong in the mountains again.